The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Good morning. This is the Tea Health Show, and I'm Chris Avon Smith. And the Tea Health Show is brought to you by the Tea Clinic. Looking at men and women's sexual health. And today in studio with us, we always have Dr. Mark. Good morning, Chris. Always great to see you and have you here. And we have Dr. Mel Lambrecht. And we're talking emotional beauty. So, Mel, welcome back. I'm I'm an emotional beauty. Is that what we're talking about? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, um, if you said caricature, maybe, but um, beauty, Chris, it's debatable. Eyes and beauty is in the eye of a beholder. Am I correct, Mel? Oh, absolutely. And the best eye of all is your own. So, and this is one of the things that we're going to talk about. So, Mel, welcome. Um, we've had you here before. We've spoken a lot about IV therapy, but what a lot of people don't know is that both you and I are aesthetic uh, practitioners and we have been doing aesthetic medicine for close to 20 years. Absolutely. And part of the, my practice that I absolutely love the most. And so excited to be here today because... Um, the concept of emotional beauty is one of my absolute passions and it's something that I bring forth in my practice every day with every patient. So I'm so excited to be sharing it with you and your listeners today. Mel, when we talk about emotional beauty, yes, explain that term to us. So... You know that moment when you are captured in a friend's camera um, and they post on Facebook or Instagram and uh, they tag you and you see yourself in that picture and gasp because you remember that moment that you were sitting at that dinner party or that bra. You remember it and you were chilled and you were having a good time and in the picture, excuse my language, but you look pissed off. Or you look tired. Oh, permanent bitch face. That, that's it. And emotional <laughs> beauty, in, in a nutshell, is the emotions that your face gives off in your everyday life. But Mel, I, I want to ask this because I've been using this term. Uh, thank you, Dr. Mel Lamprecht uh, <laughs> from the Center of Wellness. Uh, <laughs> it gave me that term. Um, you know what? I've been talking about emotional beauty in, to all my aesthetic patients. And it's not only the emotion that your own face evokes when you look in the mirror. It's the emotion that your face invokes in people when they look at you as well. Absolutely. I'll give you an example of that. So I have a lot of male patients that come to me. And they're always very concerned about what other male patients do because they don't want to um, to be seen to be overdoing it. So a lot of the men ask, well, what do other men do? Mm. And I'll be honest with you, in my clinic, probably one of the most common things that men do is what we call glabella botulinum toxin or toxin. So in the glabella area, which is between your eyebrows, it's the That's those are 11. That's yes. when, you, when, you, when you look angry and it forms those two 11s. Exactly. The one where you look at me all the time and say, okay, Chris, it's time to come <laughs> in. Yeah. 
So a lot of men, most men actually uh, suffer from the fact that they look grumpy all the time. Yeah. And, and especially uh, in, a, in a work environment. Absolutely. Hey? So a lot of men come in and say, I can feel when people start reacting to me in a different way. They, they're short with me and they, they seem to think I'm irritated with them mm. all the time. Mm. And it's purely their Botox wearing off. And um, what ha- what happens is we need to actually relax that area a little bit so that the permanent irritation that looks as though it's on your face mm. is not there for the people mm. around you. And unfortunately, we use our frown area as men and women all the time. Yeah. Look at people Especially staring down now. at the screens. Yes, you're, you're on the phone. You're typing away yeah, a message and you're concentrating and the concentration comes across as a frown. Yeah. So you're yeah. looking yeah. irritated with whatever's happening on the screen, mm. but you're actually not irritated. And that translates into many moments in your life where, um, for example, very deep dents underneath the eyes that in reality you can be born with. Um, you can see a three, four-year-old with these little uh, dents underneath the eyes. But in, in, in aesthetic terms, we call it the tear trough yes. deformity. Right. That's where tears run down. Exactly. Tear trough deformity. So you can be born with this. And, and some people say, but I've had that my whole life. And from the age of four, I've looked exhausted. Mm. And now at the age of 40, 45, you're looking even more exhausted. Haggard. When, when actually you have a great eight hour sleep every night. So yeah. that's another emotional beauty trigger where this deep, shadowy under eye makes you look tired all the time. So every third person is going, Shema, you're tired. And you actually just get irritated. You're like, I've had enough. Um, so that's another example. Um, let me give you one more. So as we age, we get these little, um, what we call marionette lines. They come from the edge of the mouth and down they go down to, to the to, chin. To the chin, yes. Yeah. You look, oh. you look like a puppet. Exactly. So I, marionette- I mean, I'm, I'm that ven- ventriloquist dummy with, with my, my <laughs> nasal, uh, that's it. Facial, what are these? Nasolabial, nasolabial lines, lines that extend into the marionette. I mean, that's why I wear mm-hmm. a beard is to cover some of those to, to a large extent. Absolutely. Well, then you should be going to Dr. Mark for filler in that area. Quote Dr. Mark out. Bankrupt him with all the work I need. <laughs> because the reality is if you can soften those lines, the, the very irritated look that you have in yeah. your lower face where you're looking permanently pissed off goes away. Mm. So there's, there's all these emotional triggers. So as a, right. as a doctor, when you walk into my practice, believe it or not, from the moment you say hello to me when that mask is off we and we're chatting, looking. we start very gently looking. So I'm, I'm not glaring at you. I'm not dissecting your face, but I want to see how you move and express and what negative emotional triggers uh, jump out at me. Yeah. So I always say to my patient, I want you to imagine that I'm walking past you in Woolies and there's that split second where yeah, as two human beings, face. we look at each other. Mm. It's a split second mm. and you either smile or you just look away and you keep on walk- walking. What jumps out at me about you that looks a bit off, yeah. a little bit grumpy, cross, tired, whatever that negative emotional trigger is. Mm. And whichever one jumps out the greatest and quickest, then for me, that is the one that is a priority to treat. Because yeah. each of those negative lines that I can gently ease takes away one negative emotional look about you. Yeah. And through that, it's the most amazing thing. Your face softens. It becomes more friendly and approachable. As a, approachable. And as a side effect, it's just purely a side effect that we're not even trying to actively achieve, but you look younger, yeah. fresher, and more beautiful or more handsome in the case of our lovely man. Yeah. Mm. So um, 
I, I just want to put it out there again. We are taking uh, WhatsApp messages uh, for Dr. Mel and myself. Um, the number zero six four two one two eight seven zero one zero six four two one two eight seven zero one. WhatsApp messages only, please. Um, Mel, mm. as primates, mm-hmm. we are social beings. We 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 work in a social environment, and you know what? COVID came and changed everything. Mm. Um, we are wearing masks in public and a lot of the cues that we used to give people have been taken away. Um, it's very interesting that um, when we think about people who lip read, and most of us actually do. I do, definitely. Um, oh, so do I. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Suddenly can't hear. I'm finding it especially mm. hard to hear because I, I have a little bit of hearing deficit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Um, I, I do have a little bit of hearing deficit. And you know what? With a mask in public, you don't see that anymore. No. So now the focus, a, a lot in aesthetics especially, has shifted to the eye area and we are prone mm-hmm. to want to make the eyes look more refreshed and younger and what we actually do with our neuromodulators is that we paralyze this area mm. and now our face is sending out very little if any um, social clues to our fellow Humans as to what emotion we're perceiving. We see this in our primates, you know, but, uh, with a grin, a smile, a lip flick, mm. they will communicate whether they're aggressive, whether they're friendly or not. And we've taken that ability away from ourselves. Mm. So emotional beauty now plays such a big role, not only in communicating what what we are feeling and what we are expressing um but you know it it will govern our relationships not only with the people close to us but with work colleagues with people on the street with people in the car next to you yes so um let's let's focus a little bit more on patient assessment um Mel, we see so many of our colleagues and so many, much of our business dependent on social media. Absolutely. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, what? Twitter. I can never get the twit tweet thing right. Twitter. Um, I'm a twit with Twitter. <laughs> true. <laughs> so. The distortion that we had, and there's a beautiful, beautiful new Ad on TV from Dove about this beautiful, voluptuous young woman. And then she starts taking off her makeup. Mm-hmm. And it's a young girl. And um, the ad says we're doing psychological damage to these children through social media and photos mm. um, and COVID made it worse. Mm. Your comments on this? So I have a real bug with social media at the moment and with our cameras. Um, social media is creating 
a need and an understanding that women and men need to look a different way to what they are when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a huge, strong believer and my, my passionate hashtag is hashtag keep it real. So we need to realize that believe it or not, when we all wake up in the morning, we have bedhead. We have uh, sleep breath. Um, Crusty bits in the corner of our eyes. Absolutely. And, and let me tell you, no matter what you see on Instagram about these beautiful people waking up. <laughs> they with, all wake up the yeah, same. Pictures of themselves in bed in the morning with a cup of coffee looking as though they've just stepped off the cover of a magazine. Well, that was three hours of work to exactly. get to look like that. It's staged. <laughs> they woke up at 4 a.m. to get that picture at 6 a.m. Um, so for me at the moment, uh, social media is a lie. And I'm a mom of three beautiful teenage daughters who know that I do aesthetics for a living. Um, they, they see and hear a lot of what I do. Um, and they have their early little social media accounts that are exposing them to things like this. And I do a lot of, I don't want to say damage control, but reality control with them. Reality checking. I yes. think that's important. Mm. And yeah. it's really important for me. Um, you know, I am on the radio, um, but I have you guys sitting in the, um, in the studio here with me. And I think you'll, I hope you can all attest to the fact that I look normal. You Mel, know, my face I, uh, moves we, normally. We, we've, t- we've spoken about this mm. as you came in. We have known each other for close to 11 years, if not longer. Yeah. In 11 years, your face has never changed. <laughs> you know what? There's the, the beautiful signs of gradual aging. Mm. But you know what? Age appropriate. Absolutely, I'm you no still you still look like Mel. That exactly, you still like look. You look like Mel that mm. I met eleven years ago, mm. but a more mature Mel. And, mm. and uh, you know, it, uh, a lot of I have a photo of myself in my office fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had hair back then. <laughs> um, you know it, and thanks to the miracle of hair transplants, you have it again. <laughs> 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 but you know what? Yes, it's 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 true. There's small things that we can do, but you know what, Mel? I think I also still look the same. Mm, My face moves. Yes. Um, you know, mm. we have access to every single treatment under the sun. Yeah. What both of us do have, and people listen to this. So we have good skin. Yes, we do. Yeah. That's what we see when we look at someone mm. is skin, not lines and wrinkles. Mm. Um, I will, I will give and an alertness. You, you know, for me, the, a lot of it is uh, the skin is important, but a lot is the alertness behind the eyes. And if you've got that, it also assists a presence, a uh, presence. Yes. Yes. It's, it's part of what we were talking about is what is the emotional reaction that your face invokes when you look at yourself, mm. but when someone else looks at you, what is what do they perceive? Do they perceive you to be tired? Do they perceive you to be angry? Do they perceive you to be happy? You know, but freezing your face, taking expression away, taking movement out of a face, leaves your eyes impossible to yeah. communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, our Producer Dante uh, studied drama, and um, am I and correct? And practices Dante, it most days. <laughs> Dante, just nod. One of the things that you guys had to perfect was acting with your eyes. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's that and we don't do that we not adept at acting with your eyes only where your eyes speak a language mm. but if your face doesn't move with the eyes, mm-hmm. it's that insincerity that people perceive. And they will perceive you as insincere and mm-hmm. someone that they can't yeah. trust. Absolutely. And this is, we'll go a bit back to this now. This is where social media is killing me because it's, it's giving the idea. First of all, these, these pictures are generally static. So we're starting to look at ourselves in a two-dimensional way. Instead Still. of three-dimensional, it's brilliant to say that now, yeah. yes. So the, the pictures, yes, there are some videos, but the pictures are not real. And if you look at a, a lot of these women that have this so-called perfect skin, you can see it's makeup, first of all, or a filter. They have these impossibly sculpted brows, which have been drawn or tattooed on. They have these impossibly curved cheeks that have been overdone, and they have these permanently pouting mouths. Now, my problem with this is, is that dermal filler has been placed in a way to create a sense of movement in a mouth that at rest looks as though it's pouting. But the problem is, yes, put that woman on a video and ask her to talk and give a smile to her little three-year-old girl. And it looks... um, And it looks wrong. It looks, it looks stiff. Um, and it's not a real life scenario. So I want, to, I want us to stop there, Mel, mm. because what you've just said is so incredibly important. Um, you know, at young children, babies, toddlers, um, can only focus on this part that's right in front of them. The periphery goes away. Mm. So, you know what? If you do have this trout pout, if you do have this frozen face and you're interacting with this young child, the emotional um, cues again mm-hmm. go missing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the relationship that is therefore born out of this communication is skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing so much damage to innocent young children, teenagers, boys and girls about what is being portrayed as acceptable. We've had this for so, so, so many years and it started with the Twiggies, um, you know, at these very skinny models, the cake mosses, etc., etc., with that was what was put on the cover of Vogue. That what was put on the cover of Esquire magazine. Um, you know, this rugged, handsome camel type of man. We grew up with a camel man. Mm. All of us wanted to be camel men. And then All later, of you guys wanted Kelvin to be Klein. Christy Turlington. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they, Oh, and she does look a little I was bit like, like I was just having a look and I was just thinking <laughs> oh, exactly. exactly. Oh, you guys. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it's that distorted sense of what is normal. Mm. Mm. And it's being um, promulgated by social media. So let's talk about taking photos, Mel, mm. especially with our cell phones. Absolutely. So cell phones distort the face and that is one of the few things that has come out recently as aesthetic doctors in our clinics we often want to pull out a a camera and take a photo um, so that we can give a sense of before and after but there is such a science behind taking a good photo Mm. 
And even more, all that I have to do is ask my 14-year-old. There is a science behind taking what is considered the perfect selfie. But I think what everybody has to realize, I have so many women, mature women, uh, coming into my clinic going, I can't anymore. Look at the photo that I took of myself the other day. I can't do this anymore. And they pull out what is a selfie that was taken at a very unfortunate angle, angle. Yeah. as they pull the face. Yeah. Um, and, the, and it's been frozen in their minds forever mm-hmm. that this is how they look. And I say to them, but this is not when you walked in. That's not how I see you. That is not how the people around you see you because these cameras catch us at the wrong angle, at the wrong moment, in the wrong lighting, um, and they they create a look that you're only going to see if you're a three-year-old looking down up at your mom and you happen to see the double chin. But it's not only that, Mel. We know that the front and the rear camera of um, a mobile device has different uh, software mm-hmm. that not only change the shape of a face, um, but you know, would give you a complete different um, picture than the reality. Mm-hmm. When we take a, a, a photo with your um, camera that you take to the Kruger Park, mm-hmm. and you take that same photo, same distance, with a mobile device, that photo is completely different, and we Absolutely. see this, and people yeah. don't know this, or they don't want to believe this. Mm-hmm. You've got to try it yourself to realize that – do that Do that exact. If you have a DSLR camera at home or a little Canon Insta, you know, the, the problem is these the, – the cell phone camera is having – it's been designed in a way to get the best possible picture it can across a multitude of realities. So you're asking your camera to take a picture of a car, um, of a landscape, um, a video at the same time, and then a face. And the kittens. Yeah, exactly, and and a, and a close up of of the you know your the little uh, ink mark that you have on your thumb when you've gone to vote. So it's mm. it's designed to create this um, perfect picture, but in fifty different environments, and it averages out and it does the best it can. But it's not particularly good at faces. It's not, and and we're thinking that the new reality is what you're seeing on those pictures. And it's it's just wrong. And on top of that, we are taking – I know there, there's some statistic about how many photographs are taken per day of themselves by the younger generation. And it is crazy that In anybody can be so – conceivable situation. Yes, so obsessed We want to call themselves. it narcissistic. Hey. Yeah. It's At totally what point do you stop and just live in the moment yeah. and realize it's not capturing the moment, it's living in the moment? Um, so, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to ask you to repeat that because I, I, I think that is absolutely brilliant. Well said. Thank but you. But say it again. It is not capturing the moment. It is living in the yeah. moment. And I think we've all forgotten that. I love, I, I'm, I'm, I won't say I'm one of the worst, but you know, if, if we're at horse riding with my daughter and she looks particularly gorgeous on that horse, I do want to remember it one day and I know I will. I love those photos, but don't spend the hour taking the perfect photo. Take one, say, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm going to remember that one day and move on. Because and the photo the will, will remind you of the memory exactly. rather, rather than that. I mean, it's like people when, when you travel, you know, you go abroad with people. I traveled with, with a doctor, funnily enough, and I don't think he saw anywhere we went. He walked through Siena behind his, it was a video camera in those days, but he walked around video cameraing, uh, you know, filming 
everything we looked at. I don't think he saw anything except through the viewfinder. And I just thought, what a waste. First of all, you're never going to watch that. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're never going to go back and watch it. But second of all, you're not living in the moment. You're not experiencing the sights, the sounds, the, ex- the actual experience of it. I, I, I hear what you say. When I travel, um, the people that travel with me know that I – Ask them for photos because mm. I never take any myself. I hate, I, I hate a phone in my hand mm. in the first place. It's always in someone else's bag. Yeah. Um, because I never carry them. Um, Mel, mm-hmm. uh, there's something that I, I want us to, to focus on a little bit. When, when our patients walk into our office, what's a good patient and what's a bad patient? <laughs> wow, that's a loaded question. How do you know that it's time for you to consider something? So for me, a pleasure of a patient is somebody who walks in and I'll I'll say it, I think they're a little bit nervous to be there and they say, "Doctor, please, I just want to look natural." Thank you. I want to look natural. It's about I'm looking to, natural. Yes, I'm, I'm nervous to be here. And I like I that I do patient. not want to look like all the other uh, ladies that are sitting at yeah. Tasha's morning side in the morning uh, in their gym clothes with designer shoes. I love the woman that says, I want to look natural because mm. then her and I are on the same page and we're going to speak the same language and I know I can make her happy. Because I'm going to look for those negative emotional cues. Um, it's probably something she's never thought of before. She knows things are bugging her, but she doesn't, can't quite say to me what they are. So for me, that's a pleasure of a patient. We, we can discuss, we can, we can work out a plan of action and a budget because we all know that these things involve um, a time period. So I was I just love going to say incremental. Mm. It's got to I don't be want you to walk out of there and your family, first of all, you're swollen as hell for five days. Your family get cross because it looks as though somebody's um, hurt you. Um, and then after five days, you look completely different. Yeah. My goal is let's work out a plan. Let's pick the area that bugs you the most or is most in need of treatment. And let's do one step at a time so that you can have this gradual softening, yeah. this gradual, um, natural, beautiful progression, almost like a, a butterfly coming out of a cocoon so that you can appreciate each and every syringe of dermal filler, each and every unit of yes. toxin that goes in and also it gives you the power as the patient to be able to say over the last year we've done the we've done five things and out of them these three rocked my boat i love that these made the biggest difference Mm. the other two uh, not so much it gives you the power that when it's time to repeat them um you know which worked for you so we'll we'll go into the different treatments now but um you know what you and i are both trainers for different product houses uh we've been in this industry for close to 20 years i've i've been doing this exclusively for 20 years mel i think you're close uh, i'm on 12 so okay yeah, yeah. um but you know what with that comes um a gift on on how to communicate with a patient and mm-hmm. i think one of the things that a lot of trainers use when we train other doctors 
is how to look at the face and assess the face. And I always explain to my patients, as well as other doctors, that they ha- the face is like a house that we're renovating. And you always start with a foundation. So let's start with a foundation phase mm. in the face, Mel. I always tell my patients where a house stands on its foundations, mm. a face hangs from its foundations. And you know what? It hangs from firstly the skull and its bony changes that happens that as um, practitioners, we cannot change. There's a natural change of bone deposition in certain places, bone resorption in other places, bone loss, and that has big effects. One of the places which is very overlooked um, and which we have been treating for the past couple of years only is the temple area um, and then the cheeks. Mm. But you know what? A lot of our patients walk around looking like Maleficent mm. with over, over-treated cheeks. And we see this, especially on animation. Uh, last night, I, I managed to somehow come across the Friends reunion mm-hmm. um, special. And I looked at both Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston um, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, <laughs> you know what? Uh, no, that's wrong. Those cheeks are way too big. Mm. And yet um, you look at Phoebe. Who looks phenomenal. Who looks amazing because mm-hmm. she's age appropriate. Until she, she smiles. <laughs> oh, I hadn't noticed this. Aha. Uh-huh. So, and this is the thing that Mel will touch on now. It's we cannot look. And you, you did mention this mm-hmm. just now. When we look at a photo, it's a static picture. Yes. Um, the face is never static. When we look at someone, when we communicate with someone, there's animation that happens in the face. And the moment that we overtreat a face, the animation changes because mm. the space that will be occupied by certain muscles in contraction is occupied by filler. So suddenly something has to move somewhere else and we start looking clownish mm. or raccoonish mm. or uh, chipmunky. So, Mel, let's talk about cheeks and temples. Mm. So as you said, this is the foundation of the face. If you start working in the midline of the face, so we're talking, let's say, um, the nose, those little dents under the eyes called tear troughs, or you start working in the nasolabia or the lip region, um, you're starting in the wrong place because, as you rightly mentioned, the entire face hangs off a skull, and it hangs particularly um, poignantly over the cheekbone area and the over zy- the hollows. We call it zygomatic arches. Correct. So as we age, as you said, there's a combination of bone loss as well as fat pad loss. Yeah. And it's most obvious in the cheek area, although you probably won't know it because the effects of the loss 
in this area is shown up in the mid face, in the in the central third of the face. Yes, because absolutely. it looks almost a little bit hangdogish. Yeah, where you'll point to your nasolabial area, which is that deep line that goes from the edge of the nose to the edge of the mouth, and you'll say, "Doctor, this line is very deep, and I want you to fill it, please." That's that's what I get a lot of, and I spend a good half an hour with the patient explaining to them where that heaviness and that saggy look actually comes originates from. from. It and comes it's from the zygomatic area because there is a combination of bone loss which we cannot prevent and we cannot change and then fat pad loss isn't it sad we lose fat pads on our face and we and gain them on our everywhere. bellies they, they just they just go everywhere else <laughs> and they <laughs> sag, they sag. yes so you know on the face as aesthetic doctors we can definitely help and if a patient is able to buy into this idea that they understand how aging is happening, it, it's such a pleasure because then we can start with the foundation where you gently and appropriately with a nice, good quality, soft product are able to rebuild that cheek area in a way that doesn't look like a tennis ball is snuggled underneath your skin. Right. Yes, because it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's, Mimicking the support structure mm -hmm. that's been lost. And the support structure is twofold. It's the tent poles as well as the canvas. Mm. Right. Um, and in treating both appropriately, you create a tent instead of a deflated balloon. Absolutely. And the, I find the temple so important and very much overlooked. Uh, everyone. You know what? When I, when I put my patients in front of a mirror, I use one of our favorite colleagues, Dr. Arthur Swift, who's mm -hmm. a Canadian plastic surgeon. Mm -hmm. um, and he taught both of us mm -hmm. such a, a huge amount of, of, of work. Um, to assess the face, and I always assess the face in thirds, where I look at the top third of the face, and that's the area from your eyebrows up towards your hairline. And that includes the temple area. And very, very few patients realize, especially in women, that there's volume loss in the temples, especially, listen carefully, especially in our thinner patients, our Active patients, mm. our gym girls, our, our athletes. That's where they lose it. And I, I, I make the analogy. Um, Jeff Dunham uses a, um, a puppet called Ahmed. And, um, you know what? We start looking skeletal when we lose volume in the temple area with especially treated cheeks. Absolutely. So as you've rightly said, when you treat the cheek and it bulges out a little bit, but you leave an empty temple, that's when even a good, uh, if I could say well-filled cheek can look wrong. And the interesting thing is as an emotional cue, so we're going back to this concept of emotional beauty, a hollow temple in in society is often um, a sign of ill health. Yes. So when people become severely ill, 
and I think we've all been around people like that, and they begin to lose excessive weight, but as well, you lose a different kind of weight where um, your your actual flesh is being eaten away. So yeah. thinking we more of like a cancer. muscle wasting, yeah. cachexia and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. So it's often cancer patients. One of the things you'll note in them is very sunken temples. Mm. It's also seen very commonly in men and women over the age of 70. Yeah. So it's an age cue that your eye picks up very quickly. So it's age and ill health. What we are seeing with, as you've rightly said, these very active women who um, strive for a very low body weight and a lot of men where today exercise has almost reached the obsessive stage, uh, cyclists cycling crazy hours per week, um, something's got to give. And often what gives is the temple area. And you've got 35-year-old women who have the temples of a 75-year-old mm-hmm. woman and um, a lot of aesthetic doctors, I'll be honest with you, avoid the area. Well, you know, but rightly so, Mel. Yes, rightly we, so. We know that the temple area is one of our danger areas to inject because we have very thin bone. We need to inject on the bone. There have been um, reports of people skewering the bone and injecting into the intracranial spaces doesn't happen often and I, I'm going to stop there quickly and say <laughs> South African doctors mm-hmm. and you, you know what we both are trainers we see our colleagues we get trained internationally South African doctors are some of the foremost injectors in the world right. and we're not being arrogant we really are at the forefront of of um clinical skill mm-hmm. um, in South Africa. Our doctors are brilliant. Um, but also there's the uh, arteries um, and you know as we go down in the face, which we will during mm-hmm. the course of a program, we'll just highlight how dangerous it, it, it is to have these injections by someone who's not duly qualified and trained. Absolutely. It terrifies me. You know, I've been, you've been in this industry 20 years. I've been in 12. We're both trainers. And it's, I think it's that situation where the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know and you more, more you realize the danger zones yes, that are there. Absolutely. And I think people who are not trained or who are uh, poorly trained, maybe, or let's just say, um, not medical doctors, they, there's so much on social media, let's say YouTube, showing videos of injections because it's like a, it's like pimple popping, you know? People love to watch pimples being popped and people love, love to watch faces being injected. And I think um, a lot of people think it's so easy, you know, just get your hands on a product and, you know, I want a lip, do so that. let's just but, whack it in a lip. I'm sure but, it looks but, so easy. But Mel, I, I think this is really a problem and, and, and with a lot of um, therapists, beauty therapists and so I don't, I think it's becoming more regulated now. Mm. But in the beginning, when, when the Botoxes and things came through, you could go to your local therapist and she'd shove stuff into your, into your face, you know? And, and I mean, that's terrifying. For me, it is terrifying because I know, and I, Mark, you know, you know, like what lies beneath the skin and it's not always deep beneath the skin. There are zones in the face that when you are training, uh, you spend hours talking about what lies beneath. Yes. So we, when we go to international conferences, even if we have conferences here, mm-hmm. most of our time at this conference is spending um, discussing, 
the management of complications mm. because it's rife and it is because the anatomy of a face is incredibly variable, mm. not only from patient to patient, but sight to side. Mm. Absolutely, because it's asymmetrical. There's a lot of differences. It's not even asymmetry. The um, path of blood vessels right. can differ so so vastly from one side of a face to the other side of a face. And we had a colleague that presented us with a case and we looked at the one side on one patient and a, a complication that happened there. And then he went on to the other side of a face and at the end, he put the two photos together and he said to me, did you guys realize that this is the same patient? And all of us went, what? Um, um, you remember that, mm. that, talk with uh, Dr. Clark. Mm. So, um, Mel, talk about cheeks. So, uh, we were talking about cheeks being the foundation of the face. Mm. Um, when you place filler properly in the, in the cheek area, um, it has a beautiful lifting effect on most of the rest of the face. This is the nasolabial lines. This yes. would be your jowl area, and this will mm-hmm. even be a lifting and a support of your eye bag. Those Absolutely. those those tear trough deformities and bags under the eye. Absolutely, and and it is a, a skill to know where to put filler in, how much to put in, how deep to put it in, and which filler. Exactly. I mean, uh, there are hundreds of fillers available out there, and part of knowing what to do is knowing what is good quality. Um, I, I want the Rolls Royce in my face. I want the the right mm. stuff. I don't want the um, fifteen dollar filler that you can order off Alibaba. Um, so, a, a lot of it is to do with what you're putting in, where you're putting it in, and understanding what effect it's going to have. Yeah. So, because it's such a widely treated area, it's also together with lips, I guess, is the two areas that are often very poorly treated because they're overdone and badly done. And the patient's expectations because of social media is vast. And another thing, I think I spend two-thirds of any consultation with a patient talking about expectations. Mm. It's it's manning it. uh, Mel, you're absolutely right. It's managing patient expectations. When I look at my patient, when I train doctors how to, because that's my forte is not technique, but how to look at a face, mm-hmm. I always say to them, if you can't see what the treatment will look like when you're done before you've started, do not inject the patient because the patient's expectations and your expectations will differ. Mm-hmm. And that patient, you would think you're, oh my God, I've just done the best work ever. And that's not what the patient expected. If you do not understand the patient's need and the outcome that they expect, your treatment will always fail. Mm. Absolutely. And I think one thing that I've learned to do as an aesthetic doctor as well, I need to do a lot of explaining and counseling and managing expectations in my consultation with you. But I think the most important thing is to listen a little bit as well. Because earlier you asked me, what is a good patient that walks in? And one of the good things is to be able to hear 
uh, their words. And as you, the, I like the word just now, their needs. They need something from you. And do you know how many times they actually just need to be told that you are beautiful just the way you are? And I'm going to help you to feel better, but you, you're wonderful. You, you're gorgeous. Um, and, and part of it is actually getting them to embrace this movement from your 30s to your 40s and then your 40s to your 50s, especially, I mean, men as well, but women go through vast changes and, and differences in expectation. Mm. And yet social media stays the same and tells us we should look forever 30 and it's, it's not going to happen. It's um, very interesting. We, we work a lot on hormone and hormone balances in patients and erectile dysfunction and sexual dysfunction in women. And I have these couples sitting in front of me and, um, we, it's the disconnect between couples. Uh, he's not finding me attractive anymore because he, actually he's having erectile dysfunction, which I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to our aesthetic practitioners and we, want to look like the 30 year old secretary when you know what we 55 or 60 because of this emotional disconnect that we have with our partners mm. and as practitioners what you've just said rings so true that it's listening hearing not mm. listening mm. there's a very big difference i mm. find between listening and actually hearing and understanding mm. and a good practitioner will do that a good practitioner is not the guy that you walk into and uh, who, who you tell um, I want lips, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, do you walk out with lips? That's not a good practitioner. Mm. Um, one of my favorite TV characters said, what is the use of a personal physician if he doesn't want to do what you tell him to? <laughs> exactly. You know, but as, as good aesthetic doctors, mm-hmm. our work is to tell you, Karen, you do not you... need this. Exactly. And I do that often. I have people coming in with expectations, with a picture off social media going, I would I want... like lips like this. Yeah. And, and, and what they have versus what they want is on two different planets. And a lot of the time I'm talking them down off the edge. I'm going, if I do this for you, you will not be happy. Why do you want this done? It's often why. Why do you want lips like that? And the trouble is often with those sort of people, you can't talk them down and they will just go hopping from person to person mm. looking for the person who will do exactly what well, they want. Mel and I have always been practicing in very close proximity to one yes. another. Mel, at some at point, point we were about 200 meters yes, away our clinic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we, we know mm. um, we shared patients, yeah. mm. but we were acutely aware mm. of which patients it was. Um, Mel has a certain style and technique mm. um, that's, um, that comes through in her work. Her patients always look natural. Um, I have a different uh, approach to my patients. And they used to jump between the two of us. Absolutely. And, you know, those are just me and Mel. But besides all the other practitioners yeah. that, they, that yeah. they go to, trying to fulfill that need. Mm-hmm. And as a good practitioner, you know what, we were always able to, to support one another mm, um, and to support our patients and in their quest for the perfect face. Mm. Mel, mm. we have four minutes left. Oh, wow. Um, the hour has flown. It's you just know gone. What? We, wow. We've had you here on the show. And, you know, I think emotional beauty, 
let's let's just capture it again and then we'll give our credentials and how to get hold of each other. Absolutely. So emotional beauty is looking in the mirror and those negative emotional cues that are that's something that you see and something that the world around you sees, um, being able to soften those. And in an age-appropriate way, making yourself uh, feel better. Um, but staying within the hashtag keep it real. So um, mm. when you look in the mirror, if there is something, try and put it into emotional terms. When you look at yourself, what, how do you feel? What is it if you could change the feeling that your face gives you? What would that be? And find an experienced, good aesthetic injector who speaks your language, who is on the same page as you, that has good credentials and safety, a good safety record and knows what they're doing and, and get that up your emotional beauty, up your, your sense of self and your sense of confidence in who you are. Mel, um, it's always a pleasure to have you in oh, the studio Mark, with us. It's always great to be here. Um, Thank you. We will definitely continue this series about beauty, emotional beauty, because one of the biggest things that we haven't touched on is skin. Oh, and you know my what? Passion, yes. As as aesthetic practitioners, our work mostly involves skin. Oh, so so um, we'll have you back um, next week. We. Um, are talking about erectile dysfunction. Look the hardest out for that topic one. to talk about. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to be a fascinating one. Please stay safe. Wear your mask. Sanitize. Mel, always a pleasure. Be good. Thanks, Mark. Cheers, Chris. Fantastic. And thank you so much. This has been the Tea Health Show, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. The Tea Clinic looks at sexual health for men and women. And we will be back next week. Have a fabulous, fabulous week. Enjoy it. This has been the Tea Health Show with Dr. Mark and Chris Avon-Smith, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. For more information, contact admin at theteaclinic.com.